welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight we are continuing our stay home, drink at home, virtual whiskey society tasting series. Wow, that's a mouthful. What am I going nuts? Um, But we've got Charlie Nelson, founder of Greenbrier Distillery, maker of the beautiful Bell Mead bourbons. And tonight we're even going to get to taste a little bit of their brand new but super old Tennessee handmade sour mash whiskey. It's an exciting night. We also have some other weird things in the house. Anytime you see a bottle that looks like that, ooh, become excited because I'm excited. Charlie, how you doing, man? Pedro, I'm good, man. I'm I'm glad to be here with you in spirit and and uh, you know it's uh, I'm I'm just glad to be here. I'm excited, you know. We're very happy to have you. So you're in Nashville right now, and how are you guys doing with the uh, the whole love in the time of Corona vibe here? Yeah, um, man, uh, we're we're doing well. Uh, we're hanging in there. It's uh, it's been kind of a crazy time for Nashville because we got the the one two punch of the tor- the tornado that ripped through Nashville, uh, and then the day after the tornado was uh, the first case of COVID in Tennessee. And then a week later was the first case of COVID in Nashville. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 And that was in March, right? So it's been almost eight weeks of dealing with this. Yeah. I mean, we're we're coming up two months, right? Yeah. So uh, March 3rd was the tornado in Nashville. Um, And yeah, and we actually... Also, uh, so something that's kind of cool um, that while um, you know the tornado and COVID were were and are still both horrible uh, things that have happened, something you know there's been some really cool stuff that has happened sort of as a result. And um, you know, after the tornado, we uh, had already planned on doing the launch of our Bellmead honey cask. Um, and so uh, from the proceeds of that launch, um, we were able to donate $50,000 to Tornado Relief um, and then raise an additional $5,000 at the event uh, from people that were just there uh, to benefit Gideon's Army, who was leading some of the cleanup efforts in North Nashville. And so that was that was really cool. And then, um, you know, the efforts to to clean up and and you know uh, rebuild after the tornado are, are ongoing. Um, and you know the COVID situation, um, it's been really encouraging just seeing so many folks stepping in uh with the hospitality industry there's still a a long long way to go but um i was fortunate to be a part of and help donate to um the tennessee action for hospitality uh which is basically you know a a relief fund for independent restaurant and hospitality workers wow that's Um, because you guys aren't a big distillery you guys are still very much in in a growth state right yeah yeah uh i mean we're we've got about 55 employees so oh, wow. i mean but mo- most most of those employees are uh like tour guides retail 
I mean, over half of those are, you know, front of house workers who, you know, we, last year we had over 80,000 people come and visit the distillery to take tours. What? Yeah. Wow. So, so basically you're telling me you are a rock star in Tennessee. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about that, but uh, we came to your house, Charlie. That is a big deal, man. <laughs> Well, we're we're fortunate to have a, a a rich history and and a good story to tell, and and I think some some delicious whiskey to share as well. So, uh, you know, people people like to hear good stories and drink good whiskey. And right, and I I've been to Nashville. I've been very fortunate, and and we've got dear extended family. My Buddies run uh, the Cry Wolf Bar out in yeah. uh, Nashville. Those are former guys who worked in the Seven Grand family here in L.A. Uh, and we got great love for Nashville. And that's a town that really is all about the hospitality. So have there been things, other things going on with, you know, like efforts kind of on grassroots level where people are like, you know, like the local pizza shop might be throwing together free lunches for bartenders who are laid off or, or waiters, uh, hospitality workers who are out of work, that kind of thing. Have you seen that kind of thing happening? Yeah, for sure. Um, so there, there's definitely been a bunch of like, especially during the tornado, there were a bunch of restaurants that were just say like offering free food to, to just about anybody. Um, just recently, um, you know, there are a couple places that have been doing like Pearl Diver in East Nashville has almost every day been partnering with brands to sort of sponsor an event to, you know, feed um, uh, up to around 80 uh, hospitality workers who are out of work. Um, and so like we did it a, a couple weeks ago and and we were able to help feed 80, um, 80 folks. And then just yesterday, uh, the Fox Bar uh, in East Nashville also did a, did a similar thing that we uh, sponsored we were a part of um and you know like the way that i see it and the way that our company looks at it is that um you know the hospitality community but more specifically the nashville community has supported me and my business from day one and propped us up and helped get us to the place where we are today which yeah we're still small we're we're tiny compared to most you know of the big brands but you know in in my mind we owe everything to the people who have helped us get here and so you know the least that we could do is is to help support you know those who are in need uh by helping you know get them a, a meal or a drink or um whatever it may be so uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're continuing to do that sort of stuff and just also like, you know, buying, uh, you know, meals and drinks for like, you know, I'll just personally go and, you know, to a, a restaurant that is, um, offering curbside pickup or takeout and just say, Hey, like, uh, I'd like to spend 200 bucks, um, for as much food as I could get to you know, and I'll have a friend go and pick it up or, you know, have it delivered or whatever. So awesome. we're trying, we're trying yeah. to do yeah. what we can. If we do all do what little we can, then we can all in the summation of it would be, you know, uh, yeah. and 
we're definitely, I've seen a lot of good stuff happening out here in, in LA as well. But I think one thing that's going to come out of this whole time is we're going to hopefully appreciate our hospitality workers even more, bartenders and great waiters, those people that you go back and see time and time again because you love the experience. I think at least I miss that. And I hope that other folks kind of have a deeper understanding and, and value it more now because of this whole experience that we're all going through together. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's something like, you know, I've definitely had some amazing food uh, during this whole thing in, in just like in trying to support the restaurants and having it at home. But it's it's not the same, you know, being no. being there in person having the experience and having someone who is, you know, uh, very well versed in what is being cooked or, you know, the cocktails that are being made, whatever. I mean, the hospitality industry and the people behind, you know, these great businesses are the ones who make those experiences, who take it to a whole new level. And it's, you know, just having a good meal is, is great but it's the people who really elevate that experience. And like I said, take it to a whole new level. Yeah, man. Well, thank you guys for being such, you know, contributing partners in your community. And hopefully that'll all come back. Once we're all open again, people will continue to uh, come out and visit the distillery and to, to buy your wonderful whiskey. Uh, <laughs> cheers to you. It's, it's great that you guys are doing all that. Thank you. Oh, I need to. we're trying to do, we're trying to encourage a little at home drinking here, Charlie. I'm sorry. Let me let me let me pour myself. I uh, I was I finished uh, another glass earlier. Actually, let me use this bigger glass. <laughs> oh, I was man. pouring myself a little of the Tennessee. With, hey, cheers. Uh, stay healthy, my friend. Cheers. cheers. So Charlie, the th we had you out in LA for your first Whiskey Society out here earlier this year. And we had a, a wonderful night and it was a packed live experience, which is always super fun. We love to, you know, have that communal thing, but in the lieu of being able to gather folks together, um, I would love it if you would tell us the story again about how you got into the whiskey business because it's pretty, yeah. it was a mystical level kind of thing. And whenever I hear it, I'm like, you're not going to believe these guys, how they got started because it's crazy. Yeah. Tell us the story. <laughs> I think that in this time when we can't actually do a tasting with folks, I mean, I do want to sit through you and me, but I think people out there, they want stories. They want to reconnect. They can try to like, connect as best we can. And it comes from those personal histories and yours is a wonderful one. So please share that. Thanks, Pedro. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, before I tell the the part about how we got back into it, I want to give a little bit of backstory and, and share a little bit of the, of the history, you know, back way back when with my great, great, great grandfather, uh, because it, it is, it's pretty fascinating. So Charles Nelson, my triple great grandfather, Born on the 4th of July, 1835 in Germany. Uh, his family, his father decides he wants to bring the family to America, sells his soap and candle factory, converts all the family's earthly possessions to gold, which he then sews into his clothing, gathers up the family, wife and six kids, board a ship named the Helena Sloman, sets sail for New York, ships damaged, it's going down, and the father ends up uh, going down basically with the ship. Uh, 
he was knocked overboard and the rest of the family was able to make it safely aboard a nearby ship, the Devonshire. Uh, the family makes it to New York, nothing but the clothes on our, on their backs. Charles is 15 at the time, takes over as man of the family, makes soap and candles in New York for a couple of years, butcher in Cincinnati. Then he moves to Nashville, starts a wholesale grocery business where he has two great, or sorry, three great selling products, coffee, meat, and whiskey. His whiskey's his best selling because he's bottling it rather than selling it by the barrel or the jug, buys the distillery that's producing it, greatly expands it, becomes one of the largest distilleries in the country, by far the largest in Tennessee. Uh, and his signature whiskey was his Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey. Um, and so anyway, uh, Charles dies in 1891. His wife, Louisa, takes over as one of the only women to run a distillery back then, which is something we're super proud of. She runs it until 1909 when statewide prohibition hit Tennessee, forcing them to close their doors. And at that time, they were selling roughly 2 million bottles a year, which is way more than we're selling today. That, yeah, that's insane. And for that yeah. day and age, it's just like the world's biggest whiskey producer, practically. Yeah, it's crazy. By far the largest in Tennessee, that's for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so shut down because of prohibition, statewide prohibition in 1909. And, um, and growing up, I didn't know about the distillery. I just knew the story of my family coming over from Germany and the gold and everything like that. But uh, honestly, I didn't even fully believe that story until a couple years ago when this lady, Dory Vilsnack, reached out to me and my brother. She's like, you guys are telling the story all wrong. Like, what are you talking about? And she sends us this email with a clipping from the New York Herald from 1850 talking about the journey over. And uh, it turns out that that actually did happen. But my family was on a safety boat and it capsized. And that's how the father was knocked overboard. And I was like, Dory, like we weren't that far off. It was just a touch more tragic than we even knew. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so... Growing up, not knowing about the distillery, uh, in 2006, my dad went in with three of his buddies to buy a cow worth of meat from a butcher, So, uh, which would have been a good thing to do about a month ago, I'll tell you what. Um, but I <laughs> uh, should have thought of that. Anyway, um, so uh, we're going to pick up our quarter of a cow worth of meat, and uh, my dad, my brother, and I, and we're running low on fuel. We stopped to fill up, and at the gas station, there's this historical marker that says Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery, one mile east on Long Branch Road. Charles Nelson opened the Greenbrier Distillery. Like, holy crap, what is this? Go oh, and by the way, actually, coincidentally, I may have done this on purpose. Uh, so this glass that I'm drinking out of, my brother Sean had it made uh, for, it's hard to see. I'll put like a different background behind it. Uh, but uh, it's a recreation of that sign. Oh, cool. Oh yeah, now you can see it. It was, a, yeah, that's so, right. Anyway, uh, so my brother Sean had these made for um, me and my brother Andy for like Christmas one year or something. And then you guys you found this old distillery. Yeah, so um, and I've got I've got some props to show. Um, so we go on to the butcher who happened to live a mile east. Ask him if he knew anything about the old distillery. He points us across the street where there's this old barrel warehouse still standing, and this is a 
Pick, can you see that okay? Yeah, I'm getting some reflection, but uh, it is still, there. Yeah, if you tilt it a little bit, that's yeah, that's good right there. Come a little closer, yeah. but it's great. Yeah, so that's this cool. this is uh, a a drawing of uh, the original barrel warehouse that's still standing, and so we see this old barrel warehouse, and then right behind it is the original spring. So we go and climb up the hill to the spring, drink from the spring. Um, and then, then the butcher sends us uh, about a mile away to this old historical society, the Greenbrier Historical Society, where there were two original bottles with my name on them. And just like <laughs> every hair That's on my body stood up. And, you know, my brother and I looked at each other and we were just like, my brother likes to say that I immediately grew a beard. Uh, it's not true. I already had one. Uh, but, uh, you know, all the hairs on my body stand up. My brother and I were just like, man, this is what we're here to do. And that was 2006. And we've been working on resurrecting the company ever since. And so did you have to go find seed money, people to help back you guys up? Or how did it work? I mean, yeah. but you couldn't just like turn the key and flip a switch like those old uh the stills were they still there and were they usable or how did you retrofit them or how did it all happen right so um all good questions so uh there there were no I'm right in a row and then we'll go from there now yeah <laughs> i might be able to get that um okay so the original stills and like distilling equipment uh the story is that um when statewide prohibition hit Tennessee, they were dismantled and then uh, shipped up to Canada uh, and used in another distillery in Canada, supposedly. Um, so none of none of that was still there, um, but the barrel warehouse was still there and a couple other sort of dilapidated buildings. But um, and but that no property's house, though, right? There were no barrels left in that barrel house. No, I wish, I wish. Uh, but I, I did climb around in the barrel warehouse. It's it's super cool. Um, but uh, so our original plan was to raise a bunch of money, build the original distill or build the distillery on the original property, start laying down barrels of our Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey, uh, which we you know found original mash bill for, and we've we've gotten a couple original mash bills. Um, and but we were trying to raise money nobody would invest so this was right before and then during the recession and also i was i was fresh out of college you know uh my i graduated college in 2006 and um so i, I had no experience running a business no experience raising money other than to like try and buy a keg at a party in college or something like that you know um, Student loan debt is as well, I'm sure. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, almost have almost paid all that off now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, um, so anyway, um, trying to raise money. I moved in with my parents, you know, living off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and ramen noodles, refining a business plan, going around, uh, you know just trying to do as much research as I could in state archives, county archives, and, you know, libraries and museums and stuff, and going around to 
pretty much all the distilleries that we could. A lot of the distilleries, you know, in Tennessee and Kentucky. And a lot of the old guys, uh, old timers and distillers knew a little bit about our family distillery. And we're, you know, it's such a, an awesome community of people in the whiskey industry. So nice and, and helpful. And so, um, we ultimately narrowed it down to, to two people that we wanted to potentially work with and bring on because we knew, we knew that we didn't know a lot. Um, and that <laughs> we needed, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we wanted to bring someone on to help us help guide us. And we narrowed it down to, uh, Dave Pickerel and Lincoln Henderson and, and, um, Lincoln was, yeah, Lincoln was basically like, Hey guys, you know, I'm happy to continue helping, but I am, you know, working on this project with my son, Wes, and I, I, I think something might come of it. So I, I think I need to dedicate most of my time to that. And Dave had just, uh, recently left maker's mark and, uh, he was doing a little bit of work with Willet, and um, you know, so we we signed him up, and we had enough money to pay him for three months. And I thought, I was like, man, I know some rich people. Like, we only need three months to raise a few million dollars. That'll be easy. <laughs> Probably don't even need the whole three months. So about two years later, uh, we <laughs> hadn't raised a penny. And uh, we we ran out of money after three months of paying Dave. Uh, you can imagine we didn't have that much money, uh, but we, we ran out after three months and Dave continued to help out and work for us uh, for over two years for free. And wow. he, he did say, hey, uh, you know, I'm happy to help, but um, I have to take on other clients. So... I'm not going to be able to give you a hundred percent of my time. Um, and, and, you know, like, I, I think that that's a, probably a pretty good thing because then he went on to become like the Johnny Appleseed of the micro of the craft whiskey scene. Yes. And, uh, and because to Dave and his family, we, we've got to like raise a toast today. Yeah. Because yeah, for sure. Oh, there's so much great American whiskey coming up right now because of Dave Pickerel and his sharing of knowledge. And and I knew Dave. He was a friend of mine. And that experience that you had where he was just a really generous guy. Like, yeah. I mean, it's – I like to think, like, you, you talk about everyone in the whiskey business being so kind. I think it's because we all feel so lucky. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right? I, I know. Whiskey business. I, I, I think I think that's a, a very good point. Um, but yeah, Dave Dave was amazing. Was one one kind of fun story. Um, like he he stayed at at my parents' house a couple times, and I stayed at his house a couple times. And so um, when uh, uh, when he when he stayed at my parents' house, you know, like uh, we we made him breakfast in the morning, and and it, this is kind of silly. Like we told him a story about how. When my brother and I were were kids, our mom would make us, you know, rather than an egg McMuffin, she would make an egg McMommy, and, and, and so she made one for Dave. And then Dave, you know, when when I stayed at his house, he he made me like, you know, 
I wake up and walk into the kitchen or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, I've got you an egg McPick for egg McPickerel." <laughs> so it's a, just a, a silly thing, but uh, I mean, Dave Dave was was like family, and um, you know, he was he was an amazing guy, and I, uh, you know, uh, wish he were still around, but um, you know, he he uh, did a lot in his life. He planted a lot of seeds. He most definitely did. Uh, we are enjoying some of the, the fruits of his labors. Now, if, yeah, cheers. I got folks here in the seven grand. Also, if you're following this on Instagram, I mean, on YouTube live, there is a link in right beneath this video, actually. And we're seeking to raise funds for the seven grand Denver uh, bartending crew that is currently laid off. So we are, I mean, actually we're, we're hiring them back, but like just trying to raise funds to help pad their time of almost eight weeks now of not having work. So if you're not laid off and you're in the position, you might be able to help us out. Uh, link in right beneath the video that you're watching now. Charlie, uh, let's talk about some whiskey that you guys have been making. So you guys, started making whiskey and it wasn't in the original space but how did it all start out and then let's jump forward to like you know tell us how you first started with dave's guidance and how long did it take to have your first barrels of whiskey that you were able to sell yeah uh, okay so uh i mentioned we, we couldn't raise any money finally um, in order to get started, we discovered that we back in the day produced more than just our Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey, that we also produced Bellmead bourbon. And I actually found this original uh, ad in a, you know, from an old newspaper for Bellmead. Uh, so if you can see that, like we're using pretty much that same label uh, today. So, oh, my yeah. lights is placed as well as yours. Yeah, so um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful label. I thank you. So um, that brand specifically, Bellmead, was produced in conjunction with another company. And everything that we do, we try and keep in line with the history of the original. So Dave kind of, you know, told us like, "Hey, you know, you can get started without having to, you know, to bridge the gap to building your distillery. You can start out." work at, you know, doing blending and contract distilling and sourcing and that sort of thing. So my family and I, we put up everything, literally everything that we owned, my parents' house being the most valuable of those things, to personally guarantee a loan to get started sourcing barrels, working with contract distiller. And actually, so funny enough, back then, um, we actually had, we would have a broker come to my parents' house with barrel samples that does not happen anymore uh and uh you know so we spent about a year close to a year and a half uh basically just sampling different barrels from different distilleries at different ages um different mash bills different yeast strains and working on trying to figure out what we wanted our blend to be and ultimately uh, we ended up on what was then ldi now MGP, uh, basically three different recipes from there, two different mash bills and two different yeast strains. And, um, and that's the category of maybe what you call from a blending standpoint, a high rye bourbon. Is that yes. kind of 
profile that you guys are going after? Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So Bell Mead is about 30% rye. So definitely wow. a high rye content bourbon. Very um, high rye. And why yeah. is it for you as someone who wanted to make whiskey, what is it about that high rye bourbon flavor profile that you personally love? Well, so um, I, I just... I love a little bit of spice, but the the reason why we did that for Bell Mead, honestly, was because we knew that there was rye in the Bell Mead mash bill, which is why, and we just like kind of took some liberties and, and with talking to Dave, he was like, you know, people were using a lot more rye back then. And so that's kind of why we created the high rye content, but also, um, we landed on that because my brother and I don't generally agree on most things. Uh, but when we do, it's a beautiful thing. And so, um, when Andy and when, when Andy and I both, like we had a panel when we were tasting the different blends and stuff, it was, it was me, my dad, my brother, Andy, Dave Pickerel, my dad's gram or my dad's mother, uh, my buddy, Jeffrey, he's um, and uh, when we hit this blend, it, everybody agreed. And that was just like, that was it. And so, um, you know, that's that's kind of, but the high rye content, you know, one of many reasons why I love, I just, I love a little bit of spice. Um, and I think that it works, it's so like balanced and works so well. It's so versatile, like, you know, I love it neat on the rocks, holds up, has a nice backbone for making a cocktail. There's just so many different sort of uses for it. And um, I, you know, I'd say we maybe got a little lucky too. Just like <laughs> well, having Dave in your boat or as your, your steward or captain was definitely, uh, he's, yeah. he knew a little something about Tasty whiskey. I mean, Maker's Mark, right? Not, not that. Yeah. Right, right. So, when we talk about your entry level, which is yeah. this bottle here, which my lighting is not ideal for showing off the label here. Which, if you could show us the label there, when did this first appear on the market? And tell us about like, uh, is it is it just your blend, and is it still currently just your blend? Yeah, so um, so this this bottle first hit the market uh, March I I want to say twenty fifth of twenty twelve. Um, so it's been about eight years, um, and uh, yeah. So uh, what was the other question? Is it so? It is still what you see on the shelf is still going to be, you know, pretty much that same. The batch sizes have gotten a little bit bigger, um, but it's it's still pretty much the same blend. I mean, the, we're going, we're not doing a specific age statement, so it's, it's a range. Um, and that age has, you know, shifted a little bit, gone up, gone down, but it's still around that six to eight year. Uh, Mark, and actually, when we first came out, it was like five to seven Who's years. The but panel for you guys, like, are you on the tasting panel? Like, people that decides, like, 
uh, release to release, like who's continuing the, the flavor profile and, and who comes to work every day and does the tasting of all to create those blends for you guys? Yeah. So, um, yes, I am on the, on the panel and, um, uh, my brother Andy is as well. Um, and, uh, like pretty much the only times that I've gotten out of the house, uh, to go into the distillery have been to, go and do uh participate on the panel because you know it, it's something that needs to be done and of course we're all standing like in different corners of the room and and being like 15 feet apart and um uh you know anyway um but yeah it, it's me and my brother wait go ahead essential services right like yes exactly um, and you know, I'll, I'll get on, don't let me forget. We are, we're also making hand sanitizer as well. Uh, we should have a batch out, uh, like probably next week. Are you guys uh, distributing that locally to like, what well, I had an idea today because like, uh, you know, we're, we got the PPP loan, our, our bar group and we're starting awesome. to try to gear up. Yeah. You know, we're very, very fortunate. We had a, a crack. I mean, we're, a small company, but we were large enough that we had a, at least an accountant or an accounting team that was able to help us get our paperwork in on time. And now we've got the PPP loan. So we're bringing people back on and we're hoping to open soon. But one of the things is like, you know, are we going to, uh, you know, be able to, in what form will that be? You know, we, it, it's still unsure, but we're, we're hoping that like, you know, we have some good, um, you know, some good opportunities ahead in terms of bringing people back, putting the work, but we, we don't know exactly how that's going to look yet. It's, it's still like, uh, it's a, we don't even know what the rules are going to be yet. You know, out here we're, we're hoping, yeah. but we don't even know exactly how that's going to look, you know? Yeah. Uh, they haven't even told us, you know, like what the guidelines are for, I mean, out here in California, we're, we're yeah. looking at in, in Texas very, very soon. And, in, in Colorado as well, but we don't know exactly like what it means in terms of um, what service we'll actually be able to do yet, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, we, we've been talking about this as well. Um, you know, we're, uh, there was guidance put out um, for us, uh, like the phased approach of, of opening and, and how to do that. Um, and I, I'm not sure when that starts, but, but yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out, uh, make a plan to figure out yeah. how we're going to actually do it. I, um, but, to, but our, what I was trying to connect to is that we, we are back in the works and we're, we're trying to like make moves to, uh, to move forward. But how did it tie back in? I lost my, my hand sanitizer. Oh, we were actually looking uh, at trying to pair with the local, distilleries to see if possible we can get locally made hand sanitizer because we were looking yeah. at stuff online today and we're like we need to buy a ton of hand sanitizer but there's nothing that's available online there's seriously nothing it's all being reserved for the medical community and the first response which as well it should and, and big props to yeah. all folks because i mean we've got nothing to complain about compared to the people who are like working in the ERs right now and like sleeping in the garage and not trying to have contact with their family. Those are the true heroes right now. It's, it's yeah. pretty crazy. But, but we were talking about 
the possibility of pairing with local distilleries to produce hand sanitizer for the local community. Because as bars and restaurants start to come back on, well, we can't buy this stuff online. Like if we could work on a local level to perhaps help provide some of those basics, it will help your local community. So maybe there's a way that you guys could be distributing locally for yeah. in bars and such in, in Nashville. For sure. And so that's um, something. So um, we're our, our first um, like priority is we had so many requests from, from healthcare and first responders that we're, we're sending out to them first. And then um, we're, we are going to start like, assuming we produce future batches um, to uh, set aside for uh, folks that we, you know, vendors that we work with that, you know, come into the distillery and folks in the bars and restaurants and liquor stores that, that we work with to, you know, say like deliver if we're, you know, if someone's buying a, a bottle or a case and just give them a bottle of hand sanitizer on top of it. Yeah, well, I've been in Zoom meetings all day, which is why I lost my friend of five. I'm just a little weary of having the screen all day. No offense to you, Charlie, but the idea, yeah. the only idea that we came up in our brainstorming today was that maybe it would be a way for some of the small craft distilleries to, you know, gain some some love out there by doing something locally for the community because it's really hard. A lot of those craft distilleries are only selling their spirits in bars because they have to kind of be handled because you need a bartender to explain the, the story. And, you know, totally. without that, a lot of them are not selling a lot in the liquor stores. So maybe well, you could find some, you know, notice in the community by creating things like sand, hand sanitizer in, you know, in a time of need like this. Yeah. So, so to your point about that, something that this may, um, so we're we're on the probably on the bigger end of some of the craft whiskey brands, um, you know, for like the small guys, you know, because um, there there are a lot of brands that are just only distributed in their state or in their region, and um, oh, you know we're we're still not distributed in all fifty states, but we're we're going for it this year, um, but. Uh, 30% of our business, of our revenue, is tours and tastings and gift shop sales. So you've got 70% left over. 50% of what's left over is bars and restaurants. So 35% of our revenue stream is still available for, for liquor stores, right? There are distributors in some states that are only even shipping some of their top selling SKUs. So they're like a liquor store owner says he's trying to order Bellmead bourbon. The distributor won't even like so that that's not every state or anything. Um, but then they're comparing non-essential whiskeys. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I mean, then a, a friend a friend tells me that he he goes to a liquor store and for curbside uh, sale, and you know he couldn't he didn't know without like perusing the aisle he didn't he couldn't think specifically of a brand. So 
they were like, what are you looking for? He's like, I'd like a bottle of red wine and a bottle of whiskey. And they come back with like a bottle of one of the top selling red wines and one of the top selling whiskeys. You could probably, you know, guess which. And so like, then I talked to him later. He's like, oh shit, I, man, if I had just had Belmead in mind, if I had seen it at the store, I probably would have bought it. But just because I didn't see it, I just didn't think of it. And why you, you know, need a bartender? Yeah. Who were you along the way? Um, Need a spirit guide. (laughs) Um, We're looking at the Bellmead bourbon. There's no age statement on this. Can you walk us through this a little bit? I'd like to taste some whiskey. We've been talking for over half an hour, and we haven't even really, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Okay, so the classic Bellmead is it's high rye content bourbon, about 30% rye. It's 90.4 proof. Um, And... You know, um, let's see. So, you know, it's generally about six to eight years aged. Um, and I mean, like I said earlier, like I just, I love a little bit of spice. I love the high rye content. You get some of that spice a little, there's also some nice fruity and floral notes to it, but I get right up front, you know, I, I love the nice confectionery notes on the pal. I mean, on the nose, and it's got a little bit of that bubblegum floral for me. So, like bubblegum, people think of bubblegum. Oh, it's a sweet candy kind of thing. It's actually to me very floral, and yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. But then it does have that kind of dark chocolate and some cinnamon notes in here as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, and I get hit right away with. Um, with that rice spice. Um, and then um, as it goes down uh, on the sort of back of the palate, I get, you know, some more of those fruity and floral notes that come out to me. Like I, 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 I never thought of it as the, the bubble gum, but like now that you said that, I'm like, I was, but, uh, but I get, I get some more also okay, like, yeah. like, like dark, like black cherry, um, and like some some like stone fruit notes is like apricot, um, and yeah, definitely some some cinnamon and caramel, um, but uh, yeah, and then um, oh, might have to have another sip here. Yeah, try another sip. You better check it, Charlie, because I'm sure you're not familiar <laughs> with the flavor profile. Uh, <laughs> The Bellmead bourbon, to know it. if I was going to, like, because we're in that situation where people are, like, ordering for pickup at their local liquor store because they can't walk into the store or what have you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how much is the Bellmead going to run me at my local liquor store? Um, So on the shelf, it'll probably be in the, you know, high 30s, low 40s. Wow. Something like That's- that. One hell of a bourbon. It's a great LDI blend for sure, MGP blend for sure. It's got yeah. all that stuff. Now, but moving forward, are you going to be able to continue those contracts or are you going to have to move into using just your own distillate? Yeah, so um, it's it's a long, slow process. Um, but so, okay, you going back to a question you asked earlier um, in answering this. So we're, we're working with MGP. 
We also work with Bardstown Bourbon Company um, and do some contract production with them. And then we've got our own distillery. And we're also working on plans to build another much larger distillery. So the plan is over time to be able to move it all, like start blending in some with our own and then over time. But I mean, that's like, it's going to be a long time. Um, but to eventually. You're in your beard by that time, I yeah. <laughs> Well, I've already got a little, it's, it's hard to pick up on these cameras. But, uh, Some very nice ju juice right now, and that'll yeah. hopefully need for patience, right? Cheers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, yeah, so, uh, you guys, I was asking this morning, this is like this morning, I was like, is there any way you guys could send a bottle out? And, like, we tried to do a local service, delivery service, but it just was like, 115 ended up being a bit of a kerfuffle but danielle you should keep her on because she personally drove these bottles down so now we've got a little bit of this bell mead which is very exciting yeah yeah so the reserve um is um i just i opened this bottle just tonight just for you um oh. Yeah. So um this was um so the cask strength reserve um it's it's not replacing our single barrel, but it was uh uh helping sort of uh ease the pain of, of some of our single barrel uh program going putting being put on pause. Um and so just like you guys couldn't get more single barrels or it was just like demand was just too crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So the, it was just an unsustainable program. Like, and, and, um, it's kind of a, a number of reasons, but, uh, like all anybody wanted to buy after a while was our, our single barrels. And we, you know, for our single barrel program, um, our entire production team tastes through the barrels and says, yes or no, would you put your name on this bottle, essentially? And then only the unanimous yeses go to my brother, and then he gives the yes or no. And so, like, our standards for single barrels are extremely high. Oh, my. And, and yeah, so, like, so we got this great following for our single barrels, but then we're like looking out into the future and we're like, shit, if we keep going at this pace, like we're just going to run out of single barrels. So, um, and now, you know, the, the number of barrels that are, um, that would qualify as single barrels, um, you know, it's, it's just not as many as it was. And like it, it at this point, it just would make people, more people mad. Yeah, it's true. I, I feel frustration when I like someone gives me a great whiskey and they're like, and it's limited edition, no more bottles. I'd be like, why are you teasing me? It's so I understand the frustration there for sure. But yeah. this this is something that you guys currently are going going to be able to sustain. Yes. So this so um 
this is essentially like um so this is a blend of uh we blended in uh the recipes based on a, a seven barrel batch blend and uh generally from seven to 11 years old um sometimes there are barrels like in some blends that'll go up to 12 or 13 years old um and so at cask strength um and this one's just a beast so um there like there are some barrels that um maybe would have gotten like close to a unanimous yes but not quite reserve and so um when when our team is going through and trying to figure out what they're um you know tasting the barrels they're saying okay this barrel is going to is destined for classic this barrel will be would be a great component of the reserve this barrel would be a great component in one of the cask finishes um and you know or this one's not quite ready for you know this one needs some more time um that sort of thing so um we we've got a, a i think a, a pretty awesome uh team production team that um they've they've got um some great noses and great palates and um you know led by my brother andy uh who's got a, a much better nose and and sort of <laughs> uh sense of taste that he's, he's also smarter and funnier than i am um well uh, you're, he puts you out on the road he must be smarter and funnier because he's like sitting at home you're the one who has to <laughs> tell the stuff right that's that's right i'm teasing so is this all pretty much single barrel releases uh no so so well there's like seven barrels per batch it, it's like a seven barrel blend um but um we we do it in batches and and every batch can be a little bit different wow. so it, it, it's kind of like oh, a, wow. a cousin to single barrel maybe but it's amazing. It's got a strong citrus, like right in the middle of the palate. You get this like stand yeah. up citrus, like a burnt orange peel, uh, and and beautiful caramel, strong vanilla, beautiful like pepper, like black pepper, and almost like coriander or something like. Yes. Yeah. Really, really I get beautiful. A coriander. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, I love this. Like this is this is um, it. Also was, uh, and I think we're bottling it this week or next week. Um, we were running low, so but uh, it won <laughs> top ten whiskey in the world by Whiskey Advocate magazine, and um, you know it's it's gotten some some good uh, good reviews and um, be on the lookout. We we should be shipping more out later this month or I guess first of, of May. So. Um, some of the shelves might have been a, a little bit empty with the reserve, but uh, we've we've got backup reinforcements on the way. That is some really intensely brilliant bourbon. If I was to able to get, is this in limited release? Is it hard to get your hands on? You said you guys aren't in all fifty states, so where can someone who's watching the podcast or listening tonight be able to find the Bellmead Reserve Bourbon at Cast Strength? 
Okay, so um, by the end of this year, we should be in all 50 states with both the classic Bellmead and the Reserve. Um, but uh, for so I would I would check out our website, um, ngbd.com or bellmeadbourbon.com. Um, there's a list of all the states we're in, our distributors, and there's also a few uh, links to uh, places that sell online. Um, we are also available in select markets on Drizzly um, and some of the delivery platforms. Um, so um, that's that's a good place to check out. But um, yeah, I, I, like... There, there are a number of states that we're now in that like, like, for example, North Carolina, you know, it's available there. You just, you might have to like special order it or something. Um, and, but we're, we're definitely in California. Your local, uh, liquor store should, should have some Bellmead bourbon. Um, and the, the classic and the reserve are the most widely available of, of our SKUs. So the real treasure that Danielle brought me, I, by the way, she, this was all from her personal home bar. It was like, okay. She brought me her bottle of the new expression, which you, this is a great story as well. I want you to unwind how you created and discovered this, the Greenbrier Tennessee handmade sour mash. Now this is truly your great great grandfather's whiskey is that right or, or grand yeah whiskey? yeah 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 so it's uh my great 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 grandfather charles nelson let's uh, i'll call him my triple great grandfather um this is pretty much like the original label original mash bill everything so the way that we found this i mentioned that I spent a lot of time in state archives and county archives and everything and um so uh yeah so you know like the microfiche like you put a nickel or quarter or whatever in a slot and then you can like view um view old newspapers um, yeah like, the microfiche kind of spell yeah like microfiche or microfilm or whatever you know you maybe used it in like high school research or something I was that guy. I was like, uh, I loved the microfiche when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. The downtown LA library right around the corner from seven grand actually has still, you can get microfiche. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I spent a lot of time on one of those, uh, little machines and, um, Love them. there were, uh, there were newspaper articles about the distillery, like, all the time and we advertised in like every newspaper like every day and so um anyway i came across this article and there have been a couple that we've come across but one was about a visit to the you know celebrated nelson's greenbrier distillery and it was like um fourth of july celebrating charles nelson's birthday and everything and uh so they had a big tour at the distillery. There was a journalist on the tour and, you know, the head of production uh, is going through the process step by step. First, we grind up 103 bushels of corn and cook it at 212 degrees. Then we cool it down and add in 28 bushels of wheat and so on and so forth. 
And the journalist wrote it down and published it in the newspaper the next day. And that's crazy. It, it was that's step crazy. step by step. So that's how how we got it. And so um, it is a weeded Tennessee whiskey. We also have found uh, since then a recipe for a four grain Tennessee whiskey. Um, and we have some old bottles of Tennessee rye whiskey as well. We don't have that recipe. Uh, but we do have a few full bottles from 1899 that are 126 proof rye. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I want to come uh, to your house because I want to taste some of these samples. Uh, and, and I'll probably sleep on the floor. <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome, my friend. Come on down. Uh, but this, this is, um, this is kind of cool. So this is, can you see that? Okay. Yeah, that, if you tilt it, that's fine. That was beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, that, that angle's great. Even a little closer. I gotta move these bottles. Ah, ah. we have a drink. Um, yeah. So, um, this um, is an original ad that I bought off of somebody. Um, there was a guy that was like ninety something years old that passed away um, several years ago. He lived in Spokane, Washington. And had an, had an estate sale and someone found this and bought it and then reached out to us and I then bought it off of him. But um, this is, it's like a, a metal sign and it's, you know, there's, there's gold foil still on it. And yeah, you can tell like that the label are, is pretty much exactly the same as what we have. And um, with with this bottle we actually we took a 3d scan of an original bottle and that's how we made this bottle mold so um yep. it's pretty much exactly the same we did add a few little embellishments like there's this dsp5 uh on here i don't know if you can see that but DSP five means you guys were the fifth distillery to get a license in Tennessee period in the history of alcohol licenses right so uh, back in the day, so we were commonly known as Old Number Five because we were registered distillery number five in Tennessee, and the federal government because it seemed to work really well for a certain wonderful other Tennessee. <laughs> yes, and yes, exactly. Be like, hey, seven—that seems weird. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so great work as well. So it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we added that and we also added uh to the the punt of the bottle this knurling that says Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery, and then you can see the the outline of the state of Tennessee and the DSP five logo again. Oh my goodness. So this is great. What a cool thing. Yeah. And so like just again, like there seems to be like your life is very blessed. You have these like yeah. moments where you discover this kind of connection to your own familial past that creates this huge, rich experience for you and your families. That's amazing life, if you ask me. Yeah. So here it is, the Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Is this currently available in California as yet, or this is like the, the smallest launch party ever? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... It's currently only available in Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee in the the Nashville and the Knoxville markets. 
Uh, so we, um, we just started selling it in Nashville October 1st, and then we just started selling it in Knoxville March 1st. So just a little over a month ago. Um, and we are, we're waiting to build up a little bit more supply to go, um, regional and then national. So, um, by the time, and, and this is, it's priced to move too. I mean, I, I think it's delicious, but like, you know, you can get this on the liquor store shelves for less than $30 a bottle. Wow. Well, if you're in Tennessee, if you're in Tennessee, if you're in Tennessee, but, but the story behind it, this is all your own juice and, and aged in, is it going to the Lincoln County process? Are you, how long are you, are you aging in or is it still sourced or exactly what's in this bottle? Yeah. So, um, we are, um, this is pretty much all it's 75% four and five year old uh tennessee whiskey and 25 percent like two and a half to three year old okay so it is filtered through sugar maple charcoal commonly known as the lincoln county process and some people back in the day even uh called it the robertson county process which is where um you know the the original distillery was um and so uh, part of the reason for uh, the two to three year old uh, element, the 25% element that's in there is because a few years ago we were talking and talking about how we're going to be building a bigger distillery with a column still. Um, and most of what we had been laying down or pretty much all of it had been uh, when we started distilling in 2014 um, was from a hybrid pot and column still. So that yields a different flavor profile than a column still. So we thought, okay, if we transition from this hybrid still to a column still, there might be some, you know. Oh, you think? Slight <laughs> changes. <laughs> there, might be, there might be a difference between a hybrid still and yeah. Uh, yes. So so we engaged, we started talking with another distillery in Tennessee that has a column still, not like a they're not a monster or anything. Um, and we work with them uh using our standard operating procedures. Uh we use our mash bill, uh, we get the grain from the same farmers that we get like everything is the same. Uh we're just distilling, you know, they're distilling it on their column still. Um, and so we're blending some of that in. Um, that's the 25% uh, that we're blending into uh, some of our, or 75% of our distillate uh, that's four and five-year-old. Um, so are you that, guys are you marrying the tons at all? Like, are you marrying barrels? together or just blending no uh we're blending after the fact yeah uh and so that's that's to slowly over time transition us to be you know when we get to all column still distillate if that makes sense when you become the big boys yeah. <laughs> or the people 
Yeah, I mean, it just means by column sales, you just mean it's a much larger production. Yeah. And to, to be perfectly square and honest, is like, that's what they're doing over at Jack. That's what they're doing at all the big boys or big people. I don't want to say big boys. I'm not in favor of big boys. I'm at any rate, column sales, big fat Bertha, wrap your arms around a gigantic tree. That's what we're talking about. A big yeah. column still that can run 24 hours a day and in, industrialize the flavor profile that you're trying to achieve. Now, this is still off of the hybrid still, or it's a blend of the column and the hybrid? It's 75% hybrid and 25% column. Interesting. So let's stick your nose in the glass. What are you getting here? It's very different from everything else. I smell cereal. Like, so uh, there's it's it's younger for sure than that. I get yeah a little a, a little bit of like I get a little bit of like golden grams and and like s'mores uh, yeah. but without the like you open a box of cereal you know like not yeah maybe golden grams it's it's fresh it's it's got the you know it's like it like it wakes up your palate you know mm. like the, the castrance is like. I'm going to sit that at the end of the night and be like, life is good. But like this one is more like, Hey, let's, let's make a Manhattan or an old fashioned. Yeah. And, and then let's go out, you know, it makes me feel rowdy. You know, this is, like, <laughs> this is going to make me want to do some shenanigans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, and, and this is something that we want, like we want it to be something that can be like an everyday drinker, you know, like the, with, with the reserve, you know, I like to sip that just neat. I mean, I I have no doubt that it'll make a good cocktail. And and with the classic, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna go for some some classic cocktails. Um, with this, I, I just want people to enjoy this however they like it. You know, uh, if that's neat, awesome. On the rocks, cool. If you want to mix it with whatever you want to mix it with as long as you're enjoying it go for it you know and that's that's the way i i want people to to drink whiskey really in general is just however they enjoy it the most um what is the plan moving forward uh in terms of bringing this to the rest of the country is there a time frame i mean of course everything love in the time of corona we are yeah. like we're trying to figure it out as we go and uh so what what kind of I mean once things start to open up again, how long might it be before we see this whiskey on the market? So, uh, over the next year or so, it will do a little bit of a regional rollout, and then the following year, more of a national rollout. Really amazing, and Danielle, your most valuable employee, actually brought me a little tiny bottle of what is one of the Bellmead bourbon single barrel expressions that you were talking about earlier. Oh, dang. This is one that the K&L wine guys, David Gerard and all those wonderful nice. people. Uh, she brought me, again, like, you don't fire that woman because she's amazing. She brought everything from her personal staff tonight. I, I'm, like, much indebted to Danielle. Wow. and. Andrew Apple, our podcast producer, for making these dreams happen. Um, I'm going to enjoy this like 12 year old. Let's let's sip one last sip. 
Folks at home, I would like you to know that we are doing a fundraiser for the GoFundMe page of Seven Grand Denver. It's a gorgeous bar. If you're ever in Denver, we're not far from the train station. You come in there from the airplane anyway, so we're like 100 meters from Coors Field. It's in the milk market. Beautiful hug you as you enter the room kind of bar check out seven grand denver if you're in the position where you might be able to give and help our bartenders who've been laid off for the last six weeks or more my math is terrible hit the link right there beneath our video in the youtube live if you're on instagram live hit the link in spirit guide soc and give to the denver folks if you can afford uh well Let's try this. Do you, what, what do you have? I saw you reaching behind your shoulder there. Uh, yeah, so I, since you're drinking a little single barrel, I figured I'd uh, bust out a little single barrel as well. Um, this is this is from a barrel that yielded uh, like 40 bottles total. So this is an 11-year single barrel, uh, 134 proof. Woo! So I, I, I call this the COVID killer. Yeah, that'll kill. You could use that on your hands. You could <laughs> put some aloe vera for some homemade sanitizer. Oh my! So this this one is just a beast, but it's just like, oh my god! I mean, it I just is with a little beer. Mm, so rich and just like the caramel. Like this is a caramel like bucket. I'm getting like an almond joy on this one. That's the KNL pick, which I assume is only available at KNL. Watching that. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Mm. Mm. I have no idea what that is, but I'm telling you, it is deceivingly beautiful. If it's <laughs> one of those whiskeys that would win uh, one of those international awards, because it's like. You taste it and you're like, oh, it's so like cherries and chocolate and silk butterflies. And then you're like, oh, you find out it's 146 proof. It was like, whoa, no, it's not. It doesn't taste like that. <laughs> what, what was the, the proof range of most of your single barrel releases? Man, I mean, we've had we've had barrels as low as like, 98 proof or like high 90s and as high as in the 130s um so to the rack house baby yeah i want to give a shout out to stephanie aguilar our beautiful bar jackalope manager all the folks at seven grands both in la and san diego and our sister markets denver Texas, Seven Grand Austin, Seven Grand Denver. This is for you guys tonight. If you're in the position where you might be able to give, you're watching us on on YouTube Live, there's a link right beneath this video where you can donate to the GoFundMe page for the bartenders in Seven Grand Denver. It's a beautiful bar. Let them know we sent you when you go and when all this love in the time of Corona is over. Charlie, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. I'm I'm feeling great, actually. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty <laughs> good. That uh, single barrel stuff kind of 
makes the whole world seem a little bit easier. It does. Yeah. Whiskey. It helps. It does help. Thank you guys for doing so much that you're doing out there in Nashville. Again, going back, if we all do what we can, reach out to a neighbor who's a little bit elderly. Uh, you know, if there's someone in your apartment building that you haven't seen in a week or something, like just check in on each other. You know, if you seem like you see a possibility of like a kind of a rough situation going on in the house, like just we all need to help each other. Like it's a, a tough time. The only way we can get through it is by being very compassionate with each other, for each other. Cheers to you, Charlie, man. Hey, cheers, Pedro. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. And I agree, man. If we can all do a little, then everyone. That's right. That's right. Big love to Andrew Apple, our podcast producer, Andrew Abrahamson, our executive producer, Stephanie, as always, for making things happen and connecting the dots. Lord knows I'm not an organized thinker. Charlie, best to you and yours. I hope everybody stays healthy. And it's been a rough time for everybody. Let's stay connected and, uh, you know, stay home, baby. Be patient. Yeah. We're going to get through this. Don't get too crazy with the stir crazy, you know. Take a deep breath. We're, we have to make space for each other here. Thanks, Charlie. Cheers, brother. Greenbrier. Thanks, Tennessee. Pedro. Yeah, of course. The new Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey coming to your house soon. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.